0: Welcome to the Fastlane. Nick Miles is our auto expert, so drop it into gear. You've got a green flag. Here's Nick. Locally celebrated, nationally created from the northwest to the southeast, this is America's car radio show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on mobile, or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with truck girl, Jen. Uh, Jen, you still have your trucks? Yes. Okay, good. You still have headlights, or do you have taillights that don't work still on your trucks?
1: Yes. All right.
0: When are you fixing that?
1: I've been searching online like <laughs> crazy. <laughs> I want something that looks totally different How about we just else get else. something
0: that works?
1: <sighs> I mean, I just
0: think that would be a good start.
1: Well, look at you.
0: No, but lights
1: what don't What about work. your Lexus?
0: What about it? They yeah. work. They work fine. I just want – headlights that look cooler. Than See, great.
1: that's right. okay. Well, it's just one turn signal. It doesn't work on mine. You know what's cool? Mm. Our show today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it made to me, me like, think about that. Mm. Uh, uh,
0: Perry Stern's going to be here to talk about the GTR Track Edition. Uh, we've driven this. Mm-hmm. We have a Supra and a GTR at the same time, and, and you drove the GTR over here. It's my favorite. It did, and I was very disappointed when people came in the parking lot and took pictures of the... Uh, of the the this the GTR Track Edition, but they didn't take pictures of the Supra. I was like, we can see down into our parking lot here from the from the studio, mm-hmm. and we can see our cars. Uh, which reminds me, I should. Oh, yes,
1: what are also, you gonna start yours now?
0: I want to see if I can start my truck from here. Hang on a second. I'm <laughs> um, gonna do this, lock it, and then am gonna hit start.
1: This is what happens when you get N- Nick well, a fob it. and new cars each week. He's lock gotta play with them.
0: Start. There we go. All right. So it'll be nice and warm when we we'll get out. In a that's perfect. Of hours. Uh, Perry Stern's here to talk about the Nissan GTR Track Edition. We're also going to uh, talk about the Sentra. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's not all Nissan today, promise you. We'll talk about the new <laughs> Sentra. Uh, this is a vehicle that's really making things move and shake for Nissan, the new Sentra. It is, especially um, with the price point. Um, You enjoyed going to the little uh, lunch Mm -hmm. and uh, the little... Lunch and launch. Lunch and launch? Is that what it's called? That's what I named it. A lunch and launch. Mm -hmm. I thought that's when you had bad lunch. Oh, okay. Let's (laughs) switch it. Lunch (laughs) Lunch lunch, then launch. Lunch Uh, (laughs) then launch. Acura RDX. Andrew Quayland going to join us to talk about the RDX. It's actually one of the best-selling two-row luxury subcompact vehicles on the market. And Elliot Shiner... Uh, did the sound system in that vehicle. and uh, You may know Elliot because he produced things like The Smashing Pumpkins Uh and uh, Steely Dan. Uh, So he's a music producer. I was like, why is it important to have somebody who produced these artists do the sound system in your vehicle? And it's important because he knows what the original notes sounded like when he was in the studio, and he can make sure they sound exactly the same when he designs a sound system for a car. He's also a really... He's got some amazing stories. He won't tell you a lot of the time who the story's about, but he, he got locked in a safe once. What? He got locked in a safe because uh, the person that he was doing a voiceover with wanted cash, and he had to send someone to the bank to, they, to get cash, and they locked him in this safe. Uh, it's, it's a good oh story. Oh, my goodness. One day I'll tell you the whole It wasn't like an airtight small safe. It was a big room safe. Okay, but, but still. they locked him in a safe. Oh, it was a great story. Uh, Debbie for Ford's is going to talk about the fact that McDonald's um, are working with Ford to take some coffee products and make them into cars.
1: I know. That's so interesting. As long
0: as my car smells like fresh coffee beans, I'd be very happy.
1: I wonder if that would even work. How would that work? Well, we're going to find out. we we'll buy you air freshener.
0: Today, on today's show. <laughs> uh, there is a lot of new vehicles being released from VW. Um, VW have a saying inside. Uh, Johan de Neuschen was at the Chicago Auto Show, and in his speech he said one of the mantras that they follow at VW is make VW great again. If you look at the sales figures, they are still the number one car company in the world. So I'm not sure how greater the you can be the number one. <laughs> Just saying, Johan, my friend. Perhaps you should think about that. Uh, he is, uh, well, they have a brand-new Atlas cr- uh, Cross Sport which I think uh this this new Atlas is very very cool because it's uh the the Atlas to three row and becomes a two a two row and gives you all that extra trunk space. So uh that's very cool. Uh the Jaguar, the EV, uh we're going to talk a little bit about EVs today on today's segment. Uh, Jen would never own one. She hates EVs. She's an anti-EV person, aren't you?
1: Mm, I'm not I'm not. No, I'm not an anti EV person. No. I'm not. I think it. It all depends upon what you use your vehicle for. Yes. And the EV market hasn't expanded yet. Yet per se to my needs. If you, uh, I want to put
0: you in a Jaguar I Pace, and have you do a zero to sixty test with it. Oh, I'm sure I'd love you, it. Watch you lose your lunch. It is amazing. I drove
1: an, an F Type.
0: Right, but but i I Pace is electric.
1: Oh, I'm sure I'd love it.
0: it it's amazing. It's, a, it's an amazing vehicle. It's just vehicle. a
1: little out of my price range, I'm sure.
0: And then the other <laughs> half of our auto expert, Mike Cadell, is going to join us to talk about uh, new cars of 2020. What's your favorite car of 2020 so far?
1: Oh, my gosh. Uh, right offhand, I would have to say the Rebel. The one For I have truck. outside.
0: What about the diesel, the Ram Rebel diesel? Yeah, I'm still
1: not sold you on the like, diesel. Does it matter
0: to you, the big screen on the inside?
1: Oh, I love that thing. It's Is 12 it, inches.
0: All, the, all the, the other truck guys, the other truck companies, Ford and GM, were saying, no, nobody's going to care about a, I a do. big 12-inch screen on the inside. No, you know, Truck guys care about capability. and before, No. 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 Everybody loves that. I love it. Even the truck guys love the big screen. There's nothing like having big available information for you in a a vehicle. Well, we're going to talk about some of the best vehicles for 2020, some of the best choices for vehicles for 2020. Um, And I I will tell you there's some really, really cool stuff on the market, uh, including the fact that now you can drive your car in and out of your garage with a key fob.
1: Smart Park. Smart Park. <laughs> smart
0: Park. Did you like the ad at the Super Bowl? That smart was funny.
1: Ad. But I have um, to admit, I love the Did Gladiator. you realize that
0: everyone that did that ad was from Boston? They <laughs> gathered all the most famous actors together from Boston. That's and amazing. And sports players. That's and funny. funny. They, and they did the Smart Park. He, he can't get in that space.
1: He's got Smart Park. Smart Park.
0: <laughs> smart Park. <laughs> so <it> funny <laughs> thing. is, walking around a Chicago auto show. All I could hear people was going,
1: Smart Park. Got a Chicago Smart Park. Oh, my God. It's that's become, great. You
0: can't say Smart Park. Without the accent now, when you when you pass a new Hyundai Sonata, with Smart Park, it's got Smart By the way, they introduced the hybrid, uh, the Hyundai Sonata Hybrid, at the Chicago show. Does it have Smart uh, the, 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 <laughs> the current one doesn't have Smart Park, well, we need to fix that. <laughs> the solar roof will give you about eight hundred miles, or seven to eight hundred miles, on a single charge. Now, there were some other stories in the news that I wanted to talk about, which were super interesting to me. I I know I'm trying not to put you to sleep right now. So as factories are starting to get up out of uh, COVID-19, the pandemic, which shut all of the auto manufacturing plants around the world down, they're starting to reopen. They've sort of done it in stages around the country. The American big three, which includes uh, Chrysler, of course, Ford and General Motors, they've all been doing their part on making sure they can actually get everybody back to work. Now, when the Ford factory opened, if you haven't, heard this story it's kind of an interesting story so when Ford reopened their factory they had all these protocols in place they were doing all these different things which allowed them to make sure the workers were coming back they were self they were they were safe they were healthy nobody stood a chance of catching COVID-19 that was their goal now they opened the factories on a Monday on a Wednesday the Ford factory in Chicago had to close why because a worker there had tested positive for COVID-19 because of the systems that he had put into place, they caught this, and uh, I'll tell you what some of the systems are. Kind of interestingly enough, as you go into the factory, you have to stand six foot apart. You stand on these little markers, just like you do when you check out at the supermarket or Home Depot or Lowe's. And you, as you check out, you stand on these marks, and you go forward to the next mark when it, you get closer and the line moves up, etc., etc. You stand in front of a camera. That camera is a thermal imaging camera, and it also looks at your body temperature. Uh, that temperature is then you know, logged. Somebody says, yes, it's too high, it's too low, it's normal, whatever then you go forward onto the next stage swabs are taken tests are done questionnaires are asked there is always sanitization between each station that you go in it takes a little longer to get into the factory but they want to keep all the workers safe and make sure when they're putting them on the lines they uh, they ha- they're protected. They caught somebody who had COVID-19. This person obviously was a little shocked that they had it. Uh, they pulled them out of the factory. They had to self-quarantine them for 14 days. They went to their home to be self-quarantined. They shut the factory down and did a deep cleaning, which proves to me something quite brilliant. It actually means the systems are working. As workers are going back to work in these factories, they are catching those workers who have initial problems. First thing, well down to four. They actually got two people initially that didn't know and they had COVID-19. They helped them out. They, then they had to sanitize the area before they put everyone back to work. Here's the other thing that uh, sort of has been occurring in there. So I asked for specifically for some examples of what they were doing. And uh, they, you know, when, when workers actually stand closer to each other, than six feet. So how do they deal with this? What do they do? Ford actually said, well, putting in a dashboard is a perfect example. It's a big piece that goes inside the car. It takes two people to load it in and then to fix it into the vehicle. They're very close together. So. Different factories are doing different things. For instance, what Ford is doing is obviously giving everybody protective equipment. When you come back to work, Ford and General Motors and everyone gets this sort of protective equipment that they can wear, sanitize, uh, hand sanitizers, masks, goggles, uh, in some cases, hoods, uh, in some cases, bodysuits. And they wear this and they have to change their procedures around the factory to keep everything clean. Super interesting at this point that uh, they're doing things slightly differently, so What Ford is doing is sanitizing the areas and then having people wear personal protective gear when they do something like put a dashboard in. But where uh, you look at somebody like FCA, what FCA are doing is they are hanging a piece of plastic between the left and the right person. So they have a piece of plastic between them. So if somebody coughs or somebody gets close or whatever, then there is no way that that could be transmitted across the plastic because the plastic will catch it. Right. So it's working. Factories are starting up again. Now, when I asked the question, of course, when are you going to get to 100%? Well, you know, we don't, we're don't. we working there. Safety is the number one issue. America going back to... I'm pretty proud of these guys, by the way. All the things they've invented, the ventilators they've made, the protective equipment they've made, all this stuff is very cool. Factories back to work in America. Cars starting to roll out. We're going to start to see them in dealerships coming very soon. Stand by. Don't go away. Sit down. Just relax. We'll be right back. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Locally created now she's celebrated. you can catch up with previous episodes of the show on our website ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all the past shows, see our automotive videos and read Inside a car stories about your next ride. You'll find it all at OurAutoExpert.com. One of the guys that writes for the site is uh, site and is an integral part of the functioning is Perry Stern. He's joining us on the phone. Um, Perry, we actually mentioned uh, John mentioned John Vincent's uh, co-hosting today. He mentioned that uh, you, him, and I together would be a quorum of our local press association, so we could make some uh, make some decisions.
2: I guess that's true. We could redo the entire thing,
0: right? So let's start with bylaws. No, all right. You have been driving yes, exactly. the <laughs> you've been driving the uh, the GTR Track Edition from Nissan. Uh, this is starting to become one of the uh, older sports cars um, that hasn't had a major refresh in several years. But they seem to be doing a lot more with it, and a lot of iterations about it, and improving it immensely. So even though it has that V6 engine, around uh, 500, mid five hundred to over 600 horsepower, depending on what trim level you get, they're still sort of doing an awful lot with it to make it a cool vehicle. Is the track edition that you were driving uh, a cool version of the GTR?
2: Of course. And, you know, I, I drove the GTR when they first brought it to America, however many years ago it was. I think it was about 10 years ago. And it blew everybody away. It was unlike anything we'd ever had. And the new one, you know, looks very much like that original one. Uh, the interior hasn't changed all that much, but you're right. They've upped the power, they've upped the price. Uh, the one that I drove uh, did have the 600 horsepower Nismo engine in it. But it also retailed for about one hundred and sixty-two thousand dollars. That's a big jump from when it first came out. It was about seventy-five, eighty grand. Right. Uh, But uh, but you get a lot of car. There's no question.
0: It one of the things about the the GTR that I always noticed is they've never refined the ride to be comfortable. In fact, your backside does get a little sore after about three hours of driving in that vehicle. But maybe you shouldn't be driving such a high-performance car for three hours.
2: Well, this is also, what you have to remember, is this is the track edition. So the track edition is set up, as it's called, for the track. So it's going to be stiffer. Uh, we noticed that, you know, not only is it stiff, it's also very loud inside. And not so much from engine noise, but road noise. Uh, those tires are very sticky, so they're great for cornering. But, you know, when you're cruising along, you kind of have to yell in order to have a normal conversation in the car. So what, so what uh, so you're it's, telling it's me... not what,
0: a what, car that... Would, what you're telling me is that taking the speed bumps in my neighborhood at forty-five was not a good idea in this car.
2: No, you got to do it a little faster. and That way, you just actually catch some air, and when it's in the
0: air, it's quieter. <laughs> you're just uh, <laughs> you're making us all sound really irresponsible, Perry.
2: Yes, we're 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 just kidding, just kidding. We always go you know thirty miles an hour everywhere we go. No, the actual, the one thing I re- the one thing I really like about this car is. Well, it's it's got the performance of an exotic sports car. The interior is actually pretty comfortable. Uh they've got these really nice Recaro seats inside uh and rather than being those very form-fitting Recaro um seats that a lot of the high-performance cars have that can actually be a, rather uncomfortable to sit in, these are actually leather trimmed. They look really nice and it's comfortable. I um, do I do notice the with part, these of course
0: we- with these vehicles, what they manage to do is things like um, you, you would think that they can't get much more out of engine and out of speed. But every time they do a sort of new edition of this, they can do. And little things like I mean, giving a carbon fiber roof or uh, you know, carbon fiber wheels lightens it up enough that you can get considerably more speed and more performance than you did in, in a previous edition.
2: Exactly. I mean, it, and that's what it's all about. I mean, it costs a lot of money to create a whole new platform and a whole new uh, vehicle. And, you know, what they've done, what a lot of other com- car companies do as well, is they just keep reiterating on this same model. And it's not a bad model at all. I mean, it's very quick. Uh, the the uh, fun thing to do with this car is at a stoplight, if you're first at the stoplight, when the light turns green, you can be at the speed limit and look back in your rearview mirror and most of the other cars haven't actually moved yet.
0: What was the speed it's limit? That quick. No, uh, forty. Okay, 50, uh, 60, Something. So, so Perry, uh, one of the complaints
3: about the GTR has always been that it's more like driving a video game than a sports car. With the Track Edition, do you still have that feeling?
2: See, I don't know that I would call that a complaint. Uh, I mean, there's something to be said about driving a car. And when I first drove this car ten years ago, I remember thinking that exact same thing: is it was doing things that a car shouldn't really be able to do. We were going around a track at that time. And the G-meter was showing that we were achieving more than one G in the corners, uh, which shouldn't be possible in a streetcar. But, you know, you're right. It it doesn't have a lot of the emotion that you would get, say, driving a Lamborghini or something that has a really throaty, uh, big engine sound. Uh, This one is very, very much like a computer. It's very technical. Uh, and some, you're, and John's right. Some some drivers have complained that it feels a little cold. It doesn't have much spirit to it.
0: Yeah, yeah um, there's and that's sort of there's sometimes a re- the case. There's a reduced sort of uh, connection to the road in this vehicle as well. I think that I mean, from my experience, it is. Um, but, it makes
2: it. I mean, it makes it easy to drive. I mean, it's point and shoot. I mean, because of the all-wheel drive system and the, the very good grip, uh, it doesn't seem to be able to do anything wrong.
0: Now, even though we like to make, we like to think ourselves that we get uh, loaned amazing, uh, sleek performances cars all the time. We do a lot of evaluation of, of family cars and those type of things, and it's it's very rarely that a car comes along that we get to drive that does zero to sixty, you know, three seconds or quicker. Uh, but you can hit it every time out of this. I mean, I know that uh, in my little tests that I was able to hit 60 miles an hour almost like a freeway on-ramp almost instantaneously. It's just no trouble whatsoever.
2: And you can do that on a freeway on-ramp that's curving. I mean, and that's the amazing thing is it doesn't seem to even lean in the corners. It just, uh, it's just it's built for the track. And, you know, it's it would be if you had to drive this car every day, though... While it would be fun in some cases if you have to sit in traffic or if it's, uh, you know, if your commute is over bumpy roads, things like that, it may get old. I I I don't know that this would make a great everyday car or some of the other cars that have similar performance could do that.
0: When I had this vehicle uh, the same week, I had the Toyota Supra. And people were coming by and stopping and walking down my driveway to take pictures of the GTR Track Edition and not the Supra, which was very hurtful to me because I actually think the Supra was a really (laughs) – you could buy four Supras pretty much for the price. You could buy a GTR Track Edition. So now we have the, I think the GTR
2: still, it's, it still feels like it's in a video game. I mean, and for people that have, they're still somewhat rare. You don't see them a lot on the road. This particular one was red with black wheels and a black spoiler, so it really stood out. And I also had the same thing. I had people behind me uh, in other cars with their cell phones out taking pictures of it.
3: So now we have the GTR Crack Edition and we have the GTR Nismo, which is another $65,000 is the Nismo worth $65,000 more than the track edition?
2: I don't think it is anymore because until 20, last year, the Nismo was the most powerful version and the track edition was less power. Uh, For 2020, they've actually put the same engine in both. So you get the 600 horsepower GTR for either one. Uh, I'm not certain that the Nismo would be worthwhile. And honestly, I don't know that the track edition with 600 horsepower is that much better than the standard GTR with what is 560, I think, or so. 565 Uh, for the
0: standard.
2: Right. I mean, for the average driver, the average driver or even the person who fancies themselves a really good driver, I don't know that you're going to notice that extra 35 horse.
0: Uh, and and the question is obviously they're refining and refining and refining these motors. Is this going to be the end? Six hundred horsepower, or are they going to be up to? I and mean, it's a two seater, by the way, and and it's half the weight of something well, like a, ch- a Challenger, so it's it's deathly quick on the road.
2: It is. There's no question. I mean, and, and it stands out styling wise as well. I mean, there isn't anything on the road that looks like it, uh, and it doesn't look like your typical very angled slanted exotic. So there, it definitely stands out. It's something unique, something interesting. Uh, it's a Nissan. It's going to be reliable, uh, and it's it, it is a blast. You know, like I, I think I've put in my review that you know every engine ramp just puts a smile on your face.
0: Perry Stern is from uh, our auto expert, and he also contributes to MSN Autos. Uh, Perry, uh, w- will we be able to read a review of this on our auto expert? It is up there, absolutely. Go take a look. All right, thank you, Perry. Coming up, we're going to get to talk about the brand-new uh, Suburban, which was just released in a time of green cars. Is it a good idea? We'll find out next. You're listening to the R Auto Expert podcast. Our Auto Expert continues. Here's your host, Nick Miles. On Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, and start a conversation with us at Our Auto Expert. We are ready to answer your questions about buying a new or used vehicle. I got an interesting fact last week that uh, out of the 44 million vehicles that were purchased in the United States last year, one third of people wanted to buy a new vehicle but ended up buying a used vehicle because their funds did not Reach what they needed to purchase. So that's kind of interesting. You've got to turn your mic on, Jen.
1: <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. You know, vehicle costs have gone up quite a bit. You but know. there are a lot of
0: uh, inexpensive vehicles. Uh, Nissan has 20 vehicles under $20,000 now. Mm-hmm. Not 20.
1: And the one I All just vehicles saw under $20, 000, I think is amazing.
0: Uh, what did you go to drive, Jan?
1: The Sentra. Oh, you're so excited about this, aren't you? I am truly excited about this How car. How many have they sold since 1982, Jan? Six million. Oh. I know.
0: Um, all right. So tell me a little bit about the vehicle.
1: Okay. So this one has, it's two inches lower and two inches wider than the original. It also has that V-shaped grill. Yeah, the, V-motion this, grill. Yeah, their signature grill. I kind of like it. It's very modern.
0: It, when I look at this car and I stand back, I saw it. It was unveiled, I think, at the New York Internet, uh, the LA International Auto Show back in November this year. When I s- first saw the vehicle, it looks so much more like a bigger, expensive sedan than it actually is. You know, a lot of times these little car sedans look like, uh, you know, just. Tin cans. It doesn't look like that.
1: No, not at all. In fact, when I got there, I talked to Janelle, and I'm like, "This is so. So, cute. so those people really that don't
0: know, Janelle is okay. the uh, PR person for Nissan.
1: Yeah, and she's like, "What do you think? And I'm like, "It is so cute. And I'm like, "What does this start around? Thirty-eight. And she just laughed at me. She goes, "No, and it's like nineteen.
0: Yeah, nineteen I'm like, and change. You're kidding me. Um, the starting price is extremely reasonable, and one of the it things is. that Nissan have been trying to do is put a lot of equipment as standard on those vehicles. All right, so tell us a little bit about the vehicle.
1: Okay, so it has the new boomerang taillights Yeah. That kind of wrap around. Um, it's got an Audi-inspired interior.
0: I'm surprised they call out someone like Audi. For well, their that's interior. what they told us. Yeah. So. That's interesting.
1: Yeah, it was. They had the two-tone cloth seats. Yeah. That looked kind of sporty. Yep. I really like those. Um, it had the D-shaped steering wheel with zero gravity seats.
0: Yeah these zero gravity seats are developed in uh, collaboration with NASA and NASA used these for the space shuttle so uh, astronauts backsides don't get pain, you know, get hurt when they're uh, traveling in space. That's so awesome. um, you know your seat was developed by an astronaut's backside Woohoo. with help from I should say.
1: <laughs> so my okay. f- one of my favorite cars the GTR. Yeah. they actually took the vents from the GTR and put those into this vehicle. There's three big vents across the front. I like that bold look. Um, High
0: on safety, too.
1: Very. Oh, and if you get the SR model, it comes with a whole new Bose system. It sounds good. Oh, it's got an amp and everything, yeah. Yeah, I loved it.
0: Amps are pretty necessary if you want to hear anything. I know. Just letting you know. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Safety?
1: Yeah, 10 airbags, forward collision warning, driver, attention alertness, auto brightness, uh, intelligent trace control. Which that's basically when you go around a corner, if you're going too fast, your car will automatically slow it down so you don't slide off the road. Oh. It's pretty interesting technology. Probably
0: wouldn't work for me then.
1: Oh, that'd be interesting. <laughs> I can't wait till you, till you get it. Um, it's got the auto braking and then uh, active ride control.
0: All right. So, um, one of the things I like about the Nissan is that they come embedded with like Apple CarPlay and Android Auto as standard.
1: Mm-hmm. And it has both.
0: Um, new engine in this car too.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah, you want me to talk about it? Yeah, of course. Uh, it's a 2.0 liter. A 2 liter, yeah. a 2 liter. 2.0. That's all I can remember at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> 149 horsepower,
0: that's right. um, 17% more torque, 146 pounds feet. Uh, it also has 20% more horsepower than the last one. The last one was a bit gutless. This one is actually pretty sexy. Yeah. Uh, 29 city, 39 highway, and that's about 33 combined. 39 highway is a great fuel economy, by the way. Mm-hmm. Starting for nineteen thousand and ninety dollars on the S trim level, and twenty thousand two hundred and seventy dollars on the SV, going up to twenty one four thirty for the SV uh, SVR trim, or SR trim, I think.
1: Okay, I have a funny story to tell yeah. you. You know Banked.
0: Yes, Banked Halverson. Yes,
1: how tall is he? He's like six, seven. Twelve foot
0: tall, something like that.
1: He sat in the front yeah. and the back yeah. and still had lots of clearance. Oh wow! Yeah, it, he was like, I'm very comfortable. In Ooh, this I'm car. seeing
0: advertising here. Nissan Sentra for giants
1: and little people. And little
0: people. <laughs> so it worked for you.
1: I did. It did. For I.
0: giants and little people. And they
1: came out with those new colors. The electric blue. Yeah,
0: you know, those colors look great when you see them for the first time, but I'm not sure I want to wake up in my driveway no, and see you that color. Have you
1: looked at everything. the
0: rosewood gold? Uh, just on the top of my head,
1: no. Oh, my goodness. That's that deep burgundy. It's really pretty. They have a, tri-color, a tri-paint color system.
0: If you were ever wondering, Chuck Girl Jen is such a girl when it comes to colors. <laughs> I Do they have a pink?
1: No. 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 I don't want a pink at Your pink.
0: sister would want a pink. Some interesting news Ford have decided to bring back the Mustang Mark I it's a performance vehicle best known for their pony car performance vehicles, first debuted in the golden age of muscle cars in the late 1960s. As such performance models are, aren't necessarily bestsellers, but are considered important halo cars. More than 300,000 Mark One vehicles have been produced since its debut in 1969, according to Ford. The one I drove, I think years and years ago, 2004 maybe, was actually a manual. It was like a horrifying story, actually. I had to mark one as a, a press fleet vehicle. and I was driving it uh, around, and one morning I woke up, I had a horrible sharp pain in my back. It turned out to be a kidney stone. And I went to work, I had to drop off some stuff at work at the radio station. Uh, I was doing the morning show. It's like, I've got to go to the hospital. And I remember it was a kidney stone, and I was driving to the hospital in absolute agony. Uh, and it was a manual so every time I changed gear I pushed my my foot down and changed the gear while I had a kidney stone I remember changing the gears and screaming just saying the Mach 1 doesn't necessarily have really good connotations to me but it's a great vehicle Uh, I do remember mine did sit in the parking lot of the hospital for a few days before I could get well enough to go back and Pick it up and drive it. Uh, the new Mark One is coming from Ford. Uh, we're looking forward to it. Uh, the well-known uh, 1960s sort of special car being rebirthed. The company confirms uh, that it will have, for 2021, a 5-liter V8 engine, saying it will be a true performance heritage car. They wouldn't say under any, or they wouldn't talk about any other specific details. The performance models such as the Mark One aren't to uh, bestsellers, but we know... We all want to own them, of course. Uh, Ford now has uh, performance, uh, other performance vehicles with GTS, but the Mark One maybe will be a little more affordable. All right, by, sit down, calm down, relax. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You're listening to our auto expert. Welcome back to the show. If you'd like to find us on social media, it's our Auto Expert. And you can join the thousands of fans which uh, get all of our information every single day from the social media accounts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And Pinterest, too. Megan, you've been working on Pinterest numbers.
4: Yeah, I've been putting car content on Pinterest. Is it my face, too? Some of it's your face. Your profile picture is bizarre, though.
0: Is it? On Pinterest? It's probably about 20 years old.
4: I've been meaning to talk to you about it, but... um...
0: (laughs) Let's not talk about it on air. I'm slightly scared now. Uh, We missed you, by the way, at Run to the Sun this year. We uh, did Run to the Sun. It was an event in the Northwest with the Northwest Automotive Press Association. Uh, Involves about five different states in the Northwest. And the members get to drive around 20-plus cars uh, over two days. You drive them anywhere from about 15 to 30 miles each car. And you swap cars as you do it. You've done it before, right?
4: I have not. You haven't?
0: You've never done it before? No. Boy, it's a fun event.
4: But I've done another program kind of like that called Hills and Wheels for Women. Okay. And it's a similar concept. You just you about, swap cars every time. Yeah, about every 30 minutes you switch cars. Oh, so for us
0: it was over miles. So you drive it on a route, and then you all come to the same place at the same time, and then you swap cars. Andrew Quaylen was there with the 2020 Acura RDX, which uh, is one of my favorite vehicles. Uh, Andrew, the the RDX is actually uh, getting a lot of attention, and uh, since the refresh you guys have done really well with it, haven't you? The car
5: has just been a, an absolute hit. We... Uh, we we figured it would be. We were pretty seeing the market response. You yeah, know, the car's number one in segment, uh, number two SUV in all of luxury. So, I mean, we, we couldn't be more happy. Uh,
0: the o- other automakers who are not number one in segment probably want to know, what's the secret sauce that Acura have with the RDX?
5: <laughs> of course they did. <laughs> well, you know, the, the previous gen w- was a really good seller, um, but it really did so only on rational attributes. It had great cargo space. It was super reliable. It was a safe choice, but it lacked emotion. And so that's really just what we did was we kept all those rational attributes, and then we added all the emotion, the like really good styling, the
0: uh,
5: awesome features and, and you know better colors and all that kind of stuff. And then, boom, once you, got, once you have rational and emotional, it's, it's hard to pass up.
0: You were obviously the co-driver for Run to the Sun. You were the navigator in the passenger seat up front with all these uh, 23 different journalists. You didn't feel nauseous at any time, did you?
5: Sorry, I, I lost you for a second. I didn't feel uh, what was lot. So I
0: said on Run to the Sun this year with all those 23 different journalists, you sat in the front seat uh, as the co-driver, as the passenger on a lot of these windy, twisty roads through Oregon and Washington. Nobody made you throw up, did they?
5: no thankfully not i i have a pretty good uh stomach for uh for cars i honestly i could in the back read the book and would be fine so it's a it's a weird uh ability that i have and i'm thankful
0: for it (laughs) i would be too because i've ridden with some of those guys that run to the sun it's pretty scary let's talk about exterior features of the vehicle so uh you you updated the exterior uh, features of the new rdx for 2020 but you didn't kind of go from the acura you didn't walk away from the acura dna or you didn't walk away from the rdx dna did you? you kept it there but still updated it
5: yeah so it it's basically you know this is our new styling direction, so that that was a big change. um we like I said, we wanted to bring a lot of a lot more emotion to the car um all the next generation of Acura are gonna look like this. It has a little bit of n s x cues in it, which is fantastic. Anytime you can draw um some connection to your to your halo supercar is is gonna be it's good for the supercar. it's good for the, the core models um, but yeah we we wanted to keep a lot of the uh you know. The aspects that our accurate buyers uh, have come to expect over all the, over all the years, um, but then be able to draw uh, other other owners from other competitive vehicles, and we're doing that.
0: Interior, a lot of people are excited about the new inside of the vehicle too, because the updates uh, really what this vehicle now puts it, you know, square ahead or above some of the luxury brands of the United States.
5: Yeah, definitely. So. Uh, you know the keys there are really the materials um, and and then the, the experience you know what 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 is the technology like everything from just the sounds you know so we have a new sound design for this car all the all the buttons and the ticks and the you know turn signal all those are, are new and and a, a heightened experience from our previous cars and um, you know, equal to or better than some of the other luxury vehicles the audio system in the car i know you've listened to many times is is just incredible all those all those things the touch points and then those experiences are what buyers are looking for as as a way to differentiate you know one car versus another and and we think rdx just really excels there
0: if you're an audiophile um You will love this vehicle because at the launch, which was in Canada, we got to sit with Elliot Shiner and those people that like Steely Dan may know him really well. He's uh, he's done a bunch of other people, but uh, produced great albums. And Elliot's uh, we've sort of become, I guess friends uh, ever since he did the uh, e- e- ELS system in the Acura TS TL TL, TL yeah TL
5: TL was the first
0: one yeah so, so that when I met him in Virginia and we've talked on the phone several times since that event um, and he is actually one of the most interesting people for car sound design because you sit in a vehicle. You put something on in the vehicle and a lot of time people will stream it from their phone or they will, you know, use something to perhaps they'll use a uh, their phone or a device to stream the music from. But Elliot won't do that. He wants to plug in a USB because he the stuff that you stream off your phone is so low quality. He wants you to hear every yeah. single note. And then. I expected him to be a self promoter, to be a flag waver, to be, hey, look at me. Uh, here's one of the songs I produce. But instead, he actually played a Bonnie Raitt song, which he didn't have anything to do with, but he felt showed off the best sound in the vehicle. And I will tell you, I have never experienced audio sound in a vehicle like I did in the RDX with him. It was just incredible. He puts, you know, the speakers in the roof, he did all the tuning, and he said, I. I, for a lot of these songs, I was there in the original recording. I was in the studio when Smashing Pumpkins recorded this album. I was in the studio where Steely Dan recorded this album and I know what it sounded like then and I wanted the car to sound exactly like it did when I was in the studio. And that experience, I mean, I'd, I've never experienced anything like that. Do you think it is probably the most premium audio in a car available today? Well, we think so, yeah. I
5: mean, there, there's classic audio system pretty much in it and Uh, you know, diamonds in the speakers and crazy stuff like that. Um, And and the good hardware, you know, isn't the hard part. The hard part is making sure the speakers are put in the right place and then tuning them once they're there. Um, And so um, having Elliot involved is is what I think really makes our system so special because Elliot's in there day one in the development, you know, five years before the car goes on sale. Right. And you mentioned, you mentioned the speakers and the headliner of the RDX. And that's a great example because where those speakers are, you know, we have a panoramic moonroof in every single RDX. And then there's obviously curtain airbags up there too. So it's really valuable real estate. And I know that they tried quite a few times to get rid of the speakers. They were like, Hey, great idea, but it's just going to be too hard. We need that space. It's too complex. and, And Elliot and others, you know, put a foot down and they said, no, we need this. Let's do it. And and they fought for it and kept the speakers up there. And then once, once you know where the speakers are, you can do all the tuning magic when you have an ear like Elliot, who, like you said, he was in the studio with Steely Dan. So he knows, I know that particular guitar riff. I know that what, what they wanted it to sound like, and I can replicate that in the car. He does all the tuning, which takes, you know, hundreds of hours, I'm sure gets it all done, boom, the car sounds incredible, like you said. So I there's a lot of good audio systems out there, but when you have an ear like Elliot and his kind of magical touch, it's, it's kind of hard to compete with.
0: Very impressed. Uh, Honda are the largest maker of engines, I think, in the world. Is that right?
5: Uh, yeah, I believe so. When you take into account, you know, scooters and and motorcycles and all those kind of things,
0: yeah, and all of the probably other power tools that you guys do. So the engine, <laughs> yep. obviously, uh, Acura being the premier uh, luxury company for Honda, uh, the premium company for Honda automobiles. Obviously, you wanted to put a great engine in the RDX. Uh, so, what are the engine and transmission?
5: Yeah, of course. So this is a, an all new engine transmission and all-wheel drive system. The entire power chain is new for this generation car. It's a uh, two-liter turbo um, paired with a 10-speed automatic. It's the only 10-speed in the segment. And then the all-wheel drive system is our super handling all-wheel drive. And that's uh, another uh, technology that we really hang our hat on. It's uh, true torque vectoring. Um, and so not only um does that, you know, send power to a wheel if it does slip, but even beyond that proactively, it will distribute power across the rear wheels um to really elevate the cornering experience. So you get a really good handling vehicle, hence why we call it super handling. So it uh it it's just fantastic. I mean it's it we it, it's certainly uh a step above anything else in the segment and um we're we're proud of it. We put it it's on um all of our models, Acura models that have all-wheel drive, that is what we offer as super handling. It's just our default all-wheel drive system for the brand and it it's, uh, it's just fantastic technology. So the two-liter turbo, the 10AT and that super handling just all together is just a fantastic pairing.
0: I will tell you that the uh, Acura super handling all-wheel drive system is probably my favorite to drive in snow and bad weather. It's absolutely flawless. Uh, If you're just joining us, you're listening to Our Auto Expert. On the phone with us, Andrew Quinlan. He is from Acura. We're talking about the new RDX for 2020. Is it safe, Andrew? Oh, my gosh, of course, yeah. Uh, it has, I was uh, setting the uh, pins up for you there, buddy. You're supposed to knock them down at this point. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, it has a uh, top 60 pick from uh, IHS and a uh, you know, star across the board. Yeah, the, the cars. I, uh, you caught me off guard because I was like, well, yeah, of course the cars so, <laughs> it, uh Yeah, that's kind of... Uh, um, default for, for any product that we're making is, is just top of class
0: safety. Now even down to your, the, the actual physical structure of the shell that goes around the driver and the passengers you guys want to make sure that that shell uh, protects them the best it possibly can. I know that uh, the body structure of every Acura out there is absolutely flawless as well. Uh, let's talk about the favorite features of the vehicle. What is yours? Oh
5: um, that is a tough one I'd, I'd want to say probably the audio system yeah um
0: that's mine by the way
5: yeah i'm trying to think if there's anything i know we kind of already touched on it but yeah uh just all in all i mean it really is um you know i'm I'm proud that i get to you know that i'm working with acura that i get to dra- drive the car on a regular basis but i mean it really is a car thankfully i don't need to you know buy, write a check for one myself personally but
0: right. the day
5: i do it it's a car i will buy you know without question without hesitation it's just it's the right, you know. It's the right size. It's sporty. It's sporty enough. Carries enough stuff. It's good for the dog. It's good for the family. I mean, it's, it's just a great car. All around.
0: it's one of my favorite cars for dogs too. The, the way you have the trunk and all, <laughs> this, all the space set up in the trunk is you can still get stuff into the trunk if you have a dog. All right. Finally, uh, availability and price. So uh,
5: yeah, uh, the car's readily available. Dealers have them in stock. Uh, it is um, just under thirty eight thousand dollars. Um, if you get the all-wheel drive system, you know, you're looking at uh, it's $2,000 for super handling, which I highly recommend. The sweet spot is right at $45,000. That's the A-Spec trim. That has uh, all our sports styling package, so you get darked out. Uh, the, the chrome, uh, they're uh, are blacked out. You get 20-inch wheels, and you get nice. a, a bunch of uh, additional features inside. You get that good audio system. I love it. You get... It. Uh,
0: Andrew Quellan from Acura, thank you for joining us to talk about the new 2020 RDX coming up. We're gonna talk about Nike and what they're doing with VW. You're listening to the R Auto Expert Podcast. He's Nick Miles, and this is Our Auto Expert. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast, this is America's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on mobile or on smart speaker. This is Our Auto Expert. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with truck girl Jen, and we are talking about uh, some interesting things that are happening in the industry. Uh, I have noticed a trend of car companies becoming more sustainable with taking some organic parts and some recycled parts and using them inside of cars. Ford is probably the leader in this with their soy seats and recycled water bottles for the interior. Mazda also trying to do things like use mushrooms to make car parts. But there is a new chapter with Ford and McDonald's. And uh, Debbie's joining us from Ford to talk about McDonald's joining forces with Ford to use coffee bean waste in car parts. Now, Debbie, the first question has got to be, yes. what happens when it rains? Do they wash away? No, no, no. So <laughs> we're
4: using the coffee staff, which is the skin from uh, when the, you roast coffee beans, a, a really fine skin peels off of it. And so that skin is mixed with plastic and then molded into parts. Okay, so we're good. replacing a very heavy mined uh, mineral that we used to use with a very lightweight, coffee chat. So we're reducing the part weight by 25%.
0: All right. So what sort of car parts, is, or unless it's still a secret, are you going to use this in? Where will we, where we find this inside the car?
4: Yeah. So we're excited. There's no secret here. Um, we are going to start putting this on the headlamp housing. So the backing of the headlamps on the Lincoln Continental to start. And then we have a migration plan to roll out to other vehicles as well. The reason we picked a headlamp housing is because two light bulbs go through that housing and they create a lot of heat. And this material actually has better heat performance, higher, 20 degrees Celsius heat performance improvement compared to the old material we were using.
1: I have a question for you. Is What color is it? I mean, did you guys change the color? Is it still like that dark brown or... That's an awesome
4: question. I don't think anybody's asked <laughs> that question. So we generally take our plastic and we add carbon black to it. Okay. And in this case, it is a very, very dark brown, um, almost black as well, but with certain really high lights, you can see the copy color in the background. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, Debbie, so I really-
0: if I go to my Lincoln... That has this part in it. Are you and you gonna start
1: looking the headland. No, stop.
0: <laughs> and I go to the hood and I open the hood and I put my head under the hood and I take a long deep sniff. <laughs> will I smell coffee?
4: You will not. Oh I know. I love coffee, so I'm <laughs> the first to say, ah, oh, give me coffee smell. Is it but um, unfortunately when we process the material All of the odor is removed. But that does allow us to use this lightweight, robust material in the future for interior applications because we do sell to an occasional customer that doesn't like the smell of coffee.
0: I'm disappointed in the lack of (laughs) tastes there are and smells there are in these cars when organic parts are used. I want to be able to lick things. and and (laughs) See, told you. (laughs) (laughs) I I just... (laughs) I'm disappointed that we can't go a little bit more crazy uh, because there seems to be more and more organic parts being used in cars. Are you, uh, you know, Debbie, are you experimenting with other things in the future? Are you looking at other materials that could be used? Uh, Maybe you're looking for other applications for coffee or other organic materials?
4: Yeah, so I've, I've been at this for 20 years in the lab. I'm actually the person that launched Soy Foam into the Ford Mustang in 2007. It's now on every vehicle Ford makes. We, Congratulations. Have wheat straw bins. Thanks. we have wheat straw bins on our cars, we have rice hulls under hood components, so that's after the food portion of rice is removed, the hull is left over. It also has good heat properties, so we have it under hood in the F-150. We've had coconut fiber, um, cellulose from trees last year, so we've been really, really focused on this effort of using plant-based, above-the-ground waste material. Uh, But this is the first one where we're actually working with another major industry and another big company like McDonald's. So we're excited about circular economy and the future where we exchange um, materials that are off-fall from our processes with each other instead of landfilling.
0: Take me through the process. How does the coffee bean start? Where does it start and how does it end up in the Ford?
4: Yeah, so McDonald's is a big, big coffee supplier, over a billion cups of coffee a year, two and a half million cups a day. So they grow their coffee in Brazil, Colombia, Guatemala, Costa Rica, many, many coffee plantations. The beans are shipped to many roasters. The roasters, when they're roasting, they generate the chaff as a side product because the bean sort of peels during the high heat process, and the chaff is left in pretty much the form that we need it then it's shipped to our um, material supplier called competitive green technologies in ontario canada they do some processing some chemical magic to compound it with plastic and make pellets and then Varrock, um, a headlamp supplier molds the part for us all right and so it's kind of a long process and you know our dream is to make these um Not ship the materials all over the place, keep them in, at least we kept them within North America this time, um, but to keep them local in the very end, use what's agriculturally available right where we're assembling the car.
0: All right. I mean, I'm kind of excited about uh, all these different things doing it. I think we probably need to get uh, all of these things together and uh, put them all in piles so we can see what starts and then eventually what ends up in the car as well. I'm glad. I've probably got a few suggestions for you too. The things that you should (laughs) be using. I want to be able to smell uh, uh, deep fried food and strawberries too.
1: No. (laughs) No. (laughs) My question is, who came up with this idea? I mean, did somebody just say? hey, let's try a coffee bean in the car. I mean, these are some amazing things you guys come up with.
4: We are a group that loves to have fun in the laboratory. Believe it or not, scientists like to have fun. And I always have a cup of coffee attached to me. So it was startling. One day I walked into the lab with this big, big mug, looked at it and said, hey, there's got to be waste here. There's got to be something, you know. So the team... I don't know why they listened to me, but they went away, <laughs> and they started to explore, and they came back and said, you know, what about chaff? And um, so they, you know, thought about that as a waste product. We contacted McDonald's, and they were super enthusiastic because, really, there's not many things you can do with chaff. All and right. so a lot of times it gets lit on fire to get rid of it why not use it for some durable product?
0: All right, well, I'm looking forward to seeing this uh, arriving in uh, Fords and Lincolns of the future. Debbie from Ford, who is the uh, senior technical leader of, of their very brilliant program now, in which we're using McDonald's coffee. It's no surprise if I tell you that SUV sales are out topping car sales, that sedan sales two to one. Uh, It's been predicted for years that this would happen, now the number one segment. Originally, I remember talking to some of the Northwest Automotive Press Association guys, and they were telling me how the first SUVs really came about. It was sort of a truck with the back end boxed in, a ladder on frame, very uncomfortable to ride. As we've evolved, they've become sort of these raised cars we... Probably should call them crossovers a little bit more, though they still fall into the SUV category. And crossovers now are selling two to one the sedans on the market. Uh, I have to tell you, my personal taste changing too. I used to be a big luxury sedan guy, BMW 7 Series, S Class, Mercedes were always the sort of the dream cars. <clears throat> you know, apart from the super amazing Lamborghini Huracans, which <clears throat> I will not lie. I have a Lamborghini Huracan EVO uh, Spider, the all-wheel drive version, sitting in my driveway. I actually asked, uh, the dealer dropped it off from Seattle, here's the, I'm sure, I'll probably get in trouble for telling you this, but uh, they have a mileage cap on these cars, I'm only allowed to drive this Huracan a certain amount of miles, And uh, but I do realize that the odometer does not move if you go in reverse, so I've been driving around my neighborhood in reverse, it still gets a lot of uh, looks, people are very impressed. However. There is a full, by the way, family of Evo Hurricanes now. There is the Spiders in the all-wheel and rear-wheel drive, so you get two different Spiders. Spiders, of course, the Italian name for the drop top. Then you get the regular hardtop versions of the Lamborghini Huracan Evo uh, that comes in all-wheel drive and rear-wheel drive. So four different versions. Doesn't matter what climate you live in. If it's uh, snowy and cold in Seattle, Chicago, or if you live in Texas, uh, that. Uh, it actually allows you to uh, to have the all-wheel drive. Don't be driving your all-wheel drive in the snow. I, I'd probably be a little mad at you. I do. Uh, I did drive the all-wheel drive Evo Huracan hardtop in Bahrain on the racetrack. And I have to tell you, because of the all-wheel steering and the all-wheel drive, it's pretty infallible. Just a pretty amazing piece of Italian engineering. Anyway, I digress. So SUVs now much bigger than uh, cars in sales, two to one. Um, and I do find myself in favor of SUVs more, especially the performance SUVs. That now they have things like the Trackhawk from uh, Jeep, which is the Jeep Trackhawk. It's basically a Jeep Grand Cherokee with a with a Hellcat engine in it, 707 horsepower. Uh, pretty amazing piece of machinery. Although Ford famously Ford famously announced in 2018 that it would largely abandon passenger cars in North America, ex- experts are not really predicting the end of the sedan. And experts telling me, I'm not sure I necessarily agree with this, because millennials don't like to do what their parents did, they're saying millennials are probably going to be more interested in driving sedans because their parents will have SUVs and minivans. Yeah, minivans have been around since 1984 and they've done nothing but actually get better but say millennials actually want to drive manual uh small compact cars because their parents always wanted suvs let's see by the way those millennials uh, now get married and having children and uh they're finding the beauty of suvs uh, They're not just something their parents used to drive. You want to get a car seat in, something like the VW Atlas, that you can actually put the second row seat all the way forward and still have a car seat in it and not having to take it out. Have you ever tried to get a car seat uh, out of a car just to fold the seats down to get somebody in the third row? It's pathetic. It's one of the hardest things ever. And you, and you should actually have your car seat fitted by somebody professionally. We you're trying to do it yourself, go to the fire station or the police station have them fit it for you. Most people incorrectly fit their car seats. Wow, got so much we've covered here. All right, stand by. Don't go away. Sit down. Relax. We've got more show coming up right now. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Welcome back to the show. Catch up with previous episodes of the show and on our website you can find it at ourautoexpert.com, Here, all the past shows, see our automotive videos, and read inside car stories about your next ride. You'll find it all at ourautoexpert.com. Uh, one of the things that is starting to happen, it may be due to uh, the government or costs of transportation, but a lot of car companies have started to manufacture vehicles in the United States. Uh, these car companies in include uh, Toyota, Mazda, Subaru. They The first one to ever get uh, the Subaru uh, production going, or the first Subaru ever to be produced, it's uh, Lafayette, Indiana, is where they produce a lot of the Subarus, uh, was the legacy. And of course, there's a new legacy now uh, made in Lafayette. So a lot of cars are made in the United States in the South, which is kind of cool. Uh, car companies are opening new factories. Toyota are working with Mazda to open a joint factory in the next few months, um, well, start building it, I guess, in the next few months. It won't open for about three years' time. Uh, they're going to start to build that. So a lot of car companies deciding that manufacturing in the United States is better. We also watched a lot of manufacturers move their production from Mexico back to the United States, uh, which is kind of g- good for the company, good for the country, I guess. The idea being that uh, they have access to all the parts which are built in the United States here in the factories. Uh, even companies like Honda have built several factories in Ohio. And one of the things that you can do in Ohio where they built the factories, it's basically four hours to uh, any major city, or any major rail line in the United States from where they built their factories right in the middle. Now, one of the reasons I've asked many times is why are vehicles built where they're built perhaps it could they could be built um, in Oregon or Washington or or on the West Coast well one of the things is that imagine things like tires so car tires are made in Georgia uh, wherever they're made they have to be shipped to the factory to be put on the wheels and so one of the things with car tires is why would you ship car tires all the way to the West Coast then put them on a vehicle and then ship the vehicle all the way back to the east coast, where about sixty uh, percent of the vehicles are built. So it's interestingly enough, most vehicles are actually built on the uh, on the east coast. One of the new vehicles that is built on on the east coast uh, in Tennessee, Chattanooga, Tennessee, is the new cross uh, with the new VW. So we are familiar with the Atlas. You've driven the Atlas, uh, yes. Jen. You've you've driven the Atlas, uh, familiar with the Atlas. Mm -hmm. They came out with a new version of the Atlas called the Cross Sport. And joining us on the phone, Tommy Micah is uh, here from the Fast Lane Car. And Tommy and I went to see the vehicle unveiled at the Chattanooga factory. Um, There was an awful lot of politicians and applauding. Tommy wasn't there when they unveiled this vehicle.
6: Yeah, Nick, it was. Uh, nuts! I mean, it, it felt like they were unveiling a new Capitol building and uh, less of a new vehicle.
0: <laughs> yeah, the, I always think it's interesting when you have, for instance, the the governor of Tennessee was there, Mr. Lee, and as soon as as soon as you you know anyone mentions his name, he would stand up and wave to the crowd. How cute! And they mentioned his name like eight times before they actually introduced <laughs> him. So. He kept standing up, and then they have to every time a different politician got up to uh, to talk on stage. He had to get, come on stage and shake hands with everyone that was already on stage, and so that you know that took twenty minutes, of course. not really, but it felt like it. <laughs> uh, anyway, we're here to talk about the vehicle, I guess, more than anything else. Uh, this is an interesting segment, Tommy. So there are things like the Honda um, Passport, which is in this segment. The Yep. Um, I guess what else? the The Ford uh, Edge is in this segment. This is sort of the is big enough to have a third row, but has a two row. And the crossboard is taken off the Atlas, and instead of having three rows, they made it uh, gave it a coupe back end and decided to give it two rows. Um, so it's, it's more
1: like your wagon style.
0: Yeah, it, it, sort yeah. of. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I would say that it, this is for a different lifestyle. But I don't think sales have been that hot in this segment, have they? So you get a big SUV that doesn't have the third row, uh, things like the the Passport and the Edge. Uh, they, they sell okay, but they're not big, big sellers, are they? Well, and the vehicle they kept
6: coming back to in the uh, presentation was the Grand Cherokee. And, you know, the Grand Cherokee has been one of America's staples for hauling families across country, you know, for uh, you know, well over twenty, twenty five years now. So Volkswagen I think wants part of that market and an affordable way to do that is instead of coming up with an entirely new platform, they took the Volkswagen Atlas and just like you mentioned, it's on the same wheelbase, it's the same basic vehicle, but rather than having kind of a more traditional squared off rear end, they they added some sportiness to it. So it's got a new steering wheel over the atlas. It's got a different front end, you know, it's got Standard uh, large wheel, I believe they're 20s or 21s, which is, which is a, a really big wheel. So, so basically, what they did is, is they, they took the Atlas formula and they kind of just desegmented it into a smaller class.
0: I think the 20s are standard the 21s are available the other thing that they've sort of done is they've given away what the new Atlas would look like because what yes. they've changed in the this this vehicle what they changed in the cross sport is probably what they're going to do in the in the regular atlas when it comes around so new front end new back end new steering wheel. Um, new software, those type of things. So it's kind of like uh, when they show the new Atlas, the new three-row, which will probably be next year sometime. It's kind of like a <laughs> already seen it in the cross Uh Do you do you think that this is going to be a big seller for for VW? You know, it's such a competitive class
6: right now. I mean, I, I like to think that the uh, the rising tide kind of raises all ships. So. As more and more Americans switch from sedans to SUVs, that the market just keeps getting bigger and bigger. But the question is, can they uh, regain market share from you know, big players like the Ford Edge and the new Grand Cherokee? And we've seen you know, mules running around of, of the new Grand Cherokee and even the larger Wagoneers. So it's going, to be a, it's going to be hard to attract buyers. And honestly, Nick, I don't really know why you would buy the Atlas Crossport over the standard Atlas. Because in person, it's an absolutely massive car. It, it rides on, like I mentioned, the same platform. So at some point, I'd figure just get the 7 feeder one. You can use it as a five-feeter if you want, but you have that added versatility when you need it.
0: I am right with you on that page. I mean, I, there's nothing wrong with the cross I think it looks good, uh, but I think also that why do it? And Unless the price is considerably different, and we don't know that price quite yet because uh, we haven't right. driven it. That's the one thing we haven't done, and we haven't, uh, we haven't got sort of the basic coming-to-market details on the vehicle as well. I think overall... The seven-seater versions of these vehicles, like the Subaru Ascent, like the Telluride from Kia, like the Palisade from Hyundai, uh, that is probably an even more crowded segment, but I... Going to a five-seater, and then I also consider this, Tommy, when I look at it, is that Ford have an ST version of the Edge, where uh, there is just um, kind of the V6 or the four-cylinder engines in this, the, the, the sports or the R version of this will only have trim level improvements and no engine improvements, well, this, right? Well, it
1: says, yeah, it has two engines. Yeah. And so then its ca- towing capacity is 5,000.
0: Right, but there's no, right. there's no ST version, right. and even, which there is in the Ford. Although I think the ST version, the Edge, I don't know if you'd agree, Tommy, is, is interesting but not necessary.
6: Well, Nick, it, 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 does it matter when Jeep has a 707 horsepower Grand Cherokee?
1: Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you're talking price point, you yeah, know. So, right, yeah. But
0: I would rather have paid $96,000 for a Jeep Trackhawk <laughs> than I would for I buy two five, five-seater uh, Atlas Crossports. Wouldn't you, Jim?
6: Yeah. You no, know, you're absolutely right. And, and if, the one they showed at, in Chattanooga was the R-Line. You know, and they, they're debuting, we should also mention, a, a new logo and also a new R-line badge on this model. But it still has the same 276 horsepower, 3.6 V6 as, as an Atlas or a standard. So, I mean, it, it looks like a, a more sporty version, but we'll be curious to see down the road, um, you know, are they going to electrify it? Or are they going to somehow add more performance?
0: I think they, they do have the capacity to do that. Will they do it? Um, probably only if this one sells. Tommy, where can we uh, watch your videos?
6: Yeah, for sure. We're on YouTube, TFL Car, the Fastlane Car, and we also have a website, tflcar.com. All
0: right. Tommy's awesome. Uh, Go watch some of his videos because they're highly entertaining. (laughs) Tommy Micah from the Fastlane Car, thanks for joining us on Our Auto Expert today. The vehicle will go on sale uh, sometime towards the end of the year, the beginning of next year. You'll be able to uh, go test drive it for yourself if you're looking for a five-seater large SUV with a sexy sport back. More coming up on Our Auto Expert. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert podcast. Welcome to the Fast Lane. Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles continues. Locally created, nationally celebrated. All the way from the northwest to the southeast, this is Our Auto Expert. Uh, you can also check us out online at ourautoexpert.com. You can check us out on your smart speaker. You can check us out on your phone. You can download the podcast. You can see all the videos from various TV segments that we do around the country. There is a lot of information about cars some of the information is very complicated, and we're going to try and make it even more complicated for you because our listeners, uh, depending on what city you live in, may be paying more money for your electric vehicles, if it electrified or electric, plug in electric, hybrids. Uh, things are changing for 2020, and there are new state taxes, there are new state registration fees. Some car companies on a federal level will be losing. Uh, Tesla is ramping down its uh, its incentives for its vehicles is it zero now John it's zeroed out now all right zero as of January 1st I believe so all right so uh, Tesla you know people losing because they've uh, produced so many electric vehicles so uh, things are changing Illinois as of January 1st, 2020, EV owners will now have to pay the new year uh, the registration of $251, which, uh, you know, I just registered my Nissan Titan brand-new truck. It was $358. So, I mean, I'm…
1: Did you have to pay that every year?
0: No, that was just okay, registering so a new vehicle. Okay, this is every year. Right. And to be honest with you, how much money are you going to save? Are you going to buy 75 cents on on, on gas? They don't get any gas tax. I can see why they're putting up the registration fees in somewhat. Well, if it's a hybrid, they're still getting gas tax. State doesn't get as much money off the gas tax. And how much money do you save by having a hybrid? Probably a lot more. Well, look at it this
3: way. If you have a car that gets 48 miles per gallon, Mm -hmm. it's going to pay half the gas tax in the same distance that you've driven as a car that has 24 miles per gallon. Right. You
0: know, I I get it. I mean, I get it. There's, There's still lots of arguments to be had over how much you can save and whether this is the right thing to do. I think that ultimately all these states are offering incentives. And I think sometimes these incentives are going to come out of this money as well. Uh, You have to register these vehicles where it's going to cost you more to register them, especially in Illinois. Illinois is not a really big state for electric vehicles. They're sort of on pace with the rest of the country. I know that um, states like Indianapolis are working really hard to try and electrify the state. They have Blue Indy. Uh, where you can, you, go, you drive through Indianapolis, you see all these new charging stations called Blue Indy. They're, they're doing the, the cars, a lot of electrified stations there. So there are some states that are really into it. Texas, I don't think I, I know one person in Texas with, a, with an electric car, uh, which is different. Washington State, the annual 75 fee, uh, car tab fee for uh, electric charging stations uh, that, you know, it doesn't matter if you use it or not, you're going to have to pay that. I don't know if that's necessarily fair.
1: Now, that's additional on top of your regular registration. So it's additional $75 a year.
3: Yeah, the Washington fee, the way that it was presented, doesn't make a lot of sense because they're charging it on just hybrid vehicles as well, and they're saying it's for charging station infrastructure, which normal hybrid vehicles cannot use.
0: Right. Um, Only plug-in hybrids. And then Oregon has probably the most complicated law, Um, because you can opt for this uh, certain plan where you report your mileage and you pay, depending on the mileage you have driven, uh, that's an option that you can get. You can get uh, free uh, for vehicles that get zero to 19 miles a gallon, the increase is $18 a year, bringing the registration costs of the passenger vehicles to uh, $86. Um, then 122 dollars for two years. Vehicles with uh, a rating between 20 and 39 miles per gallon would have a 23 annual increase, bringing that fee to 132 dollars for uh, two years. Um, unfortunately, I'm probably going to be in the, uh, in the in the lower miles per gallon of the most of the vehicles that I drive, under 20 miles a gallon. I don't know about you, John.
3: Um, well, <laughs> depending on how you drive, uh, well, what I what is rated at the, the window sticker, yes.
0: Yeah, so uh, it, it does really whack a lot of uh, people who live rurally in Oregon who have to drive big trucks for work. Uh, those type of things, they're definitely going to be in the lower levels. But it's not a huge amount of money. Um, only an increase, a fairly $18 a year increase is not a huge amount. $23 is a year is not a huge amount. Uh, of increase but still an increase and we like to moan about the more money we have to pay for our vehicles because uh, it's our right as americans to be able to drive vehicles
3: and on the flip side of all this stuff is yes you see some increased registration fees for evs plug-in hybrids and um, pure electric vehicles but if you buy a plug-in hybrid or a pure electric vehicle you're generally going to get some pretty hefty tax refunds that will offset those additional registrations. Yeah, and
0: I think plus, you know, your registration fee, depending on how the vehicle is registered, can often be tax deductible because if it's a business, it's a business expense. So you've got to look at it that way. Uh, I would just say uh, that we should be thankful. And and they're probably losing more money in gas tax anyway because I'm not having to pay that now. We should probably talk about this a little bit, the fact that Spanish workers are officially uh, decrying Nissan for its move to closed plants. Now, Nissan, of course, Nissan. Nissan is how you say it in the United States. I will say Nissan uh, because that's how we said it in England when I grew up. But Nissan have not had the best of times recently. Although they have some pretty solid vehicles, uh, they have not been making huge amounts of money. The Fiasco, whichever sort of spin that you want to put on that, has not done them any favors. As Spain agri-workers have started burning tires at the gates of Nissan car plants in northeastern Spain and prepared for more protests after Japan, the Japanese company, announced and said it would actually shut down its manufacturing plants in the region. The decision will lead to 3,000 jobs directly cut in Spain, which uh, unions say causes economic ripple effect and impacts some 20,000 families in the Catalonia region. They see it as a sign of more widespread job losses to come and growing pressure on governments struggling to contain the economic fallout over the coronavirus pandemic. However, Nissan also announced that every single one of its vehicles in the United States, they did this by a message, an interesting video message they shared on social media, and they actually said that they are going to refresh their entire line of vehicles coming up. So I guess that's exciting. Every new Nissan gets a refresh. The other fact, which is interesting about Nissan, is that they're going from 7 million vehicles produced in the world to 5 million. So they're going to reduce it by 2 million. Car company trying to survive. I guess we'll find out how bad the closures will be, but we look forward to seeing those new vehicles. All right, stand back, sit down, More show coming up. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. On Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, and on every kind of social media there is, you can start a conversation with our auto expert. Uh, so auto show season starts with LA in the fall, and they used to go LA, Detroit, Chicago, New York, Pebble Beach, with a five big shows. But there is, Detroit has been vacant for 18 months, so... That sort of uh, evaporated. Um, but it's coming back uh, to talk about auto shows and all things automotive. Joining us on the phone is Mike Codell. Uh, first of all, do you have a trip to fan hangover?
7: No, no trip to fan hangover. <laughs> but what social media? I heard you talking about that a second ago. The, I don't, I don't, the, I'm not familiar.
0: The social medias, the Twitters and the Facebooks and the Instagrams. <laughs> it's, a yeah, tube, it's a series of tubes that are wired together. No okay. tryptophan on
7: this side of the country.
0: No, what? <laughs>
7: well, you don't no. have turkey? Well, we did have- get some Nashville. We've got friends in town, and we went and took them to get some Nashville hot chicken, and I'll tell you, they're like, wow, this stuff is hot. And I said, it's called Nashville hot chicken. Did pe-
0: do people celebrate the holidays differently in Nashville?
7: Um. No, they don't. They. It's all the same here. Um. I, I would say that what's interesting here is that there's a lot of Friendsgiving. So, you know, the holidays are – I'm just going to share. It's going to be fun. Uh, so Christmas Day, we're new. We're new to Nashville. We've got family in town from Minnesota. So my, my brother and sister-in-law, they're two boys. And then at 2 o'clock, our neighbors just came over. And then midnight came around, and both neighbors were at our house, and we were playing games, and it was a good time. So there, it's like a crash party friend, Friendsgiving Christmas and. So people came over to say Merry Christmas and you know, twelve hours later we're still enjoying each other's company. A few bottles have disappeared and we're into the holiday spirit.
0: Wait, do you have free so maybe that's the attraction? Do you have a big liquor cabinet you brought from California? <laughs> there <laughs> so- might
7: be there might be some some special special cocktail. Uh, drinks that we brought with us. But for the most part, it, uh, it was just a good time. Really nice I, holiday.
0: I I think, I'm suspicious that your Nashville neighbors made up the Friendsgiving because they knew you had California liquor in the house. I'm just saying. Well, I will share this, <laughs>
7: I'll share this one piece with you, Jen. Our neighbor to the left, uh, he is a professional single skier and just got back from the Ukraine where he was teaching the Ukrainian ski team how to single ski for the upcoming Olympics, giving wow. him all these pointers. And so he brought back this special liquor, if you will, and, and it, was, it was captivating to say the least. It tastes like
0: spruce trees. <laughs> Ooh, sounds delicious. All right, this is a car yeah, show. One. We should probably talk about cars. <laughs> uh, so no Detroit Auto Show this. Well, there was no Detroit Auto Show last year either, but there's, again, no Detroit Auto Show in, uh, in January.
7: No Detroit Auto Show in January. Thank goodness. Um, getting bundled up every morning to go over to the Auto Show, albeit is tradition. I am looking forward to a June cycle of the Detroit Auto Show where we will be outside enjoying cars for what they are, on pavement with some cruising. I know that all of our coverage, Nick, will be outside as well. We're doing stuff from the show floor, but there's going to be a lot more things happening outside of the show floor. And that's going to be a lot
0: of fun. I will tell you that if uh, people was like, "Well, what's wrong with an auto show in January in Detroit?" If you've never been to Detroit in January, I mean, we've had a few years where we, it was very pleasant, but there's nothing like standing out, waiting for your Uber outside of the auto show, and feeling the life escape from your body.
1: It, it's Chicago's <laughs> that way. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I just Chicago, remember Chicago. A little history,
7: a little history for you. So the reason the Detroit Auto Show, the North American International Auto Show was hosted in January, was actually pushed by the dealers. So after Christmas, it's cold and snowing outside. The auto industry goes into a little bit of a slump from a sales standpoint. So to spur early sales into the new year, they created the auto show, one, to create an entertainment feature that pulls people into uh, downtown Detroit, two, gives them a chance to look at some of the newest cars coming to market, and three, it allows the dealers to tie into the process to where in the near future. Uh, somebody that's looking for a car, they'll be in a better position to do it.
0: All right. And uh, now it's moving to the summer. I I guess people shop for cars all year round. Um, What will change in a summer Detroit show? I mean, I know not many uh, details have been released, but at a guess, what will change? This is, of course, not only the Detroit show, but they bill it as the North um, North American Auto Show.
7: Sure. I think my biggest concern right now for the Detroit Auto Show happening now in June as opposed to January is going to be the the lack of cars on carpet. I think a lot of the manufacturers are going to want to take some things outside. Um, But I think there's a positive with that as well. I think that a lot of the automakers will get into experiential marketing where they use the show floor to pull people in. And in order to pull people in, they can then turn them outside to test drive cars. So I think you'll get a great experiential uh, opportunity. And I think the city will come alive. People will want to do things outside. Automakers have never been able to host outside programming. This will be a first. It could change the industry.
0: Um, I'm hoping, in a sense, too, that... Uh, It reinvigorates the Detroit auto industry because even though a lot of car companies have sort of moved away from Detroit or Detroit isn't the the biggest center, it still is the biggest, although it's not the only center of automotive now. I mean, Nissan in Nashville, still quite a lot of guys in California, um, the, the VW Group now in Washington, D.C. So there's a lot of people that have moved sort of away from Detroit being a center, but there's still a lot of research and development for all these companies in Detroit, too.
7: Absolutely correct, and I think one thing that will be great about the auto show now being uh, in the June time frame is is the automakers, especially the big three, so your FDA, Fiat Chrysler, automobiles, Ford, and then, uh, of course, um, you know, the team over General Motors. It's going to give them an opportunity to really showcase some new products this year, and I think that's kind of the big talking point is, What's coming in store for 2020? I think we're really looking forward to seeing the Ford Bronco, which we've talked about before on air. We're looking forward to the new Ford Mach-E. Um, and then you've got some some luxury and you know SUVs coming out. You're going to see more from Rivian this year, uh, which I'm excited to, to learn a little bit more about. A lot of new SUVs and a lot of supercars will be hitting the market in 2020. Um, top down, so it'll be a really good year to see some cool cars on the market. Let's
0: let's talk about the Bronco because this is one of uh, the biggest. Uh, I guess topics of discussion that we hear about all the time on uh, questions that come in through social media and through emails everybody wants to know when are we going to see the new Ford Bronco so let's talk about a little bit initially it was supposed to be released at the uh, LA Auto Show in the fall this year then it was supposed to be uh, its own standalone event in January Uh, we have been told that New York is probably not an option Do, do we know whereabouts and when we will see the new Bronco
7: we don't know where and when. Here's what I here's what I'm I'm up to telling you is that I've seen it, um, and and that's about as far as I can go. Here's the deal: in order for Ford to be successful with the Ford Bronco, they have to be able to keep, compete with Jeep and the Rubicon. There's no question that with whatever vehicle they bring to market, they have to bring a, a vehicle to market that can go off roading and be functional off road, be able to compete off road. So I think Ford is is purposely ensuring that all elements of this vehicle and this product line are ready to hit the market. You have to hit two different audiences with the Bronco. You have to hit the purist, those that own Ford Broncos, myself being one. Then you have to hit the Jeep buyer and be in a position to pull them away from what they know on the Jeep side or a potential new Jeep buyer into the Bronco market. So expect to see big things with the Bronco when it comes to market in 2020.
0: Uh, are we going to see a number of – so we know that initially that there's one that was based off of the F-150s type size and, and a smaller one which was based off the uh, the small truck, uh, which you know, obviously Ford uh, came out with a couple of years ago. Are we expecting to, to see uh, a two and a four-door in both sizes or a two-door in one and a four in another or what's the sort of sizes? Because there's a Bronco and a mini Bronco that have been talked about.
7: So if you go online and Google the Ford Bronco R, this is the one. This is the race version. It was showcased at the SEMA show this year. You can pull definitely some design cues from or cues from that vehicle. As far as size goes, we saw a baby Bronco at an LA, in Los Angeles or a pardon me Las Vegas dealer program. Kind of gave you an idea that they might have two different versions uh, of the Bronco. I I'm not at 100% liberty to share. I'm under NDA. Uh, having seen the vehicle in person. Uh, But I would expect to see a couple different conceptual uh, ideas around the Bronco when they bring it to market to to capture multiple audiences.
0: Um, All right, so I'm hoping for two sizes. There was a program I went to about a year and a half ago where they showed the Bronco uh, sort of some early concept designs, and at that point there was a small and a larger one. So we're going to hold our breath uh, to see if that actually.
7: You're going to see something like
0: that. Yeah, and uh, and then of course a two and a four door makes a lot of sense. Do you think the Bronco competes with the Defender, Land Rover Defender, a sort of a non-luxury version of Land Rover Defender?
7: Yeah. So I, I mean, this is my take on it: is that if you're going to be into the off-road market and you're a purist and enthusiast, you're going to look at a Jeep, right? That's going to be the first one in in line because you have that Dana 44 uh, up front. You have a functional off-road vehicle with four-wheel drive. You will consider the Bronco. I think the Defender is going to be pricing itself out of market. That's my my only concern with the Defender. I'm excited to see it. I saw saw a version of it at the LA Auto. What what I think the problem is going to be is it's going to price itself out of market. It'll be for a certain type of off-roader. But I'm not too worried about their sales. They'll, they'll crush it with sales with that vehicle because it has so much history and tradition.
0: Now, wait a second. So we're talking about the Bronco itself uh, pricing-wise. You know, Defender's sort of between fifty dollars and $80,000, and it's a luxury vehicle, obviously, a Land Rover and extremely capable. So presumably the Bronco is, I mean, I would expect it to start somewhere in the mid-30s, similar to the the Jeep Wrangler, and go up to somewhere around $60,000, which is clearly well marked into the Defender landscape.
7: Agree, but I always look at starting price first. defender I mean, Defender's not going to start in the $30,000 $30, range.
0: You think the... the...
7: I just look at entry-level prices. The Defender's going to start higher than that. No, no, Defender's, so
0: Defenders that... 50 to eighty. So Defender yeah, is so 50 to 80. So, but but I'm saying if Bronco starts in the mid 30s, whereas the Wrangler is, we'd expect that to, to be there, the mid 30s as a starting price, a base price. It would probably go up to. I think the top Wrangler is like 65 for the diesel, fully loaded. Um, so that's not that far from 80 thousand dollars, which is the top end of the of the Defender. So it, it's it, not. There's going to be some I think my point is
7: cut the the ability to customize, right? So you can start with a mid-$30,000 Jeep, and you can put wheels on tires on it and feel like an off-roader, but not be an off-roader.
0: All right. Well, I mean, my breath is, do you think they've overshot it? Because I do remember with, like, uh, for instance, the Volt, the Chevy Volt V-O-L-T, they had pictures of that thing like 10 years before it actually came out. Do you think that the, right. the Ford are pushing the the window of the Bronco? We've been talking about it for yes. – they've, they've been talking about it for two and a half years. Everybody else has oh. been talking about it for five years. I mean, I'm getting tired. Uh, we're all
7: tired. It's like, shut up, shut up, bring the vehicle to market. Everyone wants to see the Bronco. We know that they're trying to get it right. But at some point, you just have to pull the silks off the car, show it to the people, give them what you want.
0: In in the world of the old Broncos, do uh, you think the price of the old Broncos is going to drop or go up when the new one comes out?
7: Already going significantly up, probably about four years in now, the Bronco early Bronco price. If you have an early Bronco and you're a listener to this show, Save it. Hold on to it. Keep it. It's just going to go up
0: in price. All right, good stuff to know, Mike Credell. You can uh, see his videos. Uh, he got to spend some time in that concept Bronco at the SEMA show. You can see that video at Our Auto Expert. You can see all of his other videos at Our Auto Expert from his TV appearances. Uh, good luck on Fox and Friends tomorrow morning. We will have more Our Auto Expert coming up in a little while. Uh, we also are going to show you some new car stuff that is hopefully going to make your mouth drop somewhat, and you'll be excited about plus the genesis g80 and anton warman you've been listening to our auto expert
7: with nick miles find all the show episodes at OurAutoExpert.com. please follow us on all social media twitter facebook and instagram at our auto expert and message us for a quick and witty response